Here we are on a Friday morning. It is absolutely beautiful out, and we are together to wrap up this week of Roadmap to Heaven here on Covenant Network. I'm Adam Wright. As always, honored to be with you as we begin the morning together. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. O Jesus, through the Immaculate Heart of Mary, I offer you my prayers, works, joys, and sufferings of this day for all the intentions of your Sacred Heart in union with the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass throughout the world in reparation for my sins, for the intentions of all my relatives and friends, and in particular for the intentions of the Holy Father. Amen. We dedicate all of our thoughts, words, and actions to the greater glory of God in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Today is a beautiful feast day. It's actually the patronal feast day of my territorial parish, Our Lady of Sorrows. It's the memorial of Our Lady of Sorrows. And that's what we're going to talk about on the show today. We've got uh, two segments from Father Chad Ripiger on Our Lady of Sorrows. And we have Father Zach Edgar, who will be joining us on the show later to talk about Our Lady of Sorrows as well. So that is what is ahead today. Now, for those of you who are going to be listening to the podcast, rebroadcast of Roadmap to Heaven, uh, you know yesterday we had some technical difficulties on the show. We think we have those all resolved, but uh, for our podcast listeners, you're going to get some extra stuff today because we're going to bring you what uh, we would have published yesterday but we didn't have a chance. We were working on the technical stuff, so we're going to lump it all into one bonus episode today. Radio listeners, you get the the regular 57 minutes here, but you can always go get the podcast at Our Catholic Radio or wherever you like to get your podcast. What you can't get just anywhere, you can only get it here on Covenant Network, is Mike Roberts with our weather and our saint of the day. Today is the memorial of Our Lady of Sorrows. Walking through the Holy Rosary with the Blessed Mother is always an honor and an education in the life of her son, the Holy Family, and so much more. But she will also show us that this journey, while filled with beauty and grace, was rarely easy. In each of the joyful mysteries, there is difficulty. In the fifth, the Blessed Mother and St. Joseph search in great pain for their lost son for three days. And in the fourth joyful mystery, the presentation Simeon, After telling this holy young couple so many amazing things about Jesus that only the Lord could have revealed to him, he looks at Mary alone and tells her, And you yourself a sword will pierce, so that the thoughts of many may be laid bare. God has done so much to make it clear he understands our pain, ultimately giving his own Son to live, love, teach, suffer, die, rise, and redeem us. And he has also given us the Blessed Mother, who knows our pain because she has felt her heart pierced with so many swords so many times, including these seven. The prophecy of Simeon, the flight into Egypt, losing Jesus for three days, meeting Jesus on the way of the cross, the crucifixion, taking Jesus' body down from the cross, burying her son. For all the hurting hearts of the world, Our Lady of Sorrows, please pray for us. I'm meteorologist Mike Roberts for Covenant Network. Have a blessed day. Saint of the Day can arrive each morning by subscribing on your favorite podcast player. Search Covenant Network to see all our podcasts. Consecration to Mary. My queen and my mother, I give myself entirely to you. And to show my devotion to you, I consecrate to you this day my eyes, my ears, my mouth, my heart, 
my whole being without reserve. Wherefore, good mother, as I am your own, keep me, guard me, as your property and possession. Amen. Last week, Father David Skillman was with us on the show, and we began a project I'm very excited about. We're going to be spending week after week some time in the teachings of St. John Paul II. Right now, we're in his first encyclical, Redeemer of Man, Redemptor Hominis. Father, last week, you gave us somewhat of an overview of what what is the main point in this, which often is captured in that first sentence of an encyclical. Today, we're going to dive into really the first of four sections, and I noticed that about this encyclical. Uh, as we get ready to go through this, it's nice to have that that roadmap, uh, pardon the pun, it's roadmap <laughs> to heaven, but it's nice to have that roadmap of where we are going. So give us the, the real quick overview of how this encyclical is broken down, and then let's dive in. Great. Yes, yeah, so the Holy Father divides this into four parts. The first part, which we'll kind of dive into today, is called inheritance, where he's going to be looking back over history, and in particular to the immediate history of the pontificates of John the Twenty-Third and, and Paul the Sixth, and to talk about what he has inherited as he takes on the role as shepherd, chief shepherd of the Universal Church, and then from there he's going to talk about the mystery of the redemption. So again, bringing us back to the fundamental inheritance for the church of all times, which is the person of Christ, the gift of our redemption in him. Then he has a section called Redeemed Man and His Situation in the Modern World. So now, within the context of the truth that Christ has revealed, let's look at how things are today and interpret kind of the signs of the times for today. What's good, what's not, and where are we called? And then that leads him into the final section, the church's mission and man's destiny, kind of the so what, so where do we go now from here? as a church. So when we talk about inheritance, I mean, this goes back to something we said last week, that hermeneutic of continuity. This is not necessarily anything new. And in fact, it's not really the invention of any mere man, but it's the the fullness of revelation handed down in the incarnation of Christ our Lord. And we're still unpacking it, still understanding it. And that's essentially what St. John Paul II is saying is, you know, I've received this from my predecessors who have received it handed down. So here we go. Let's talk about what we've inherited. (laughs) Yeah, and that's so important because I think if we're not careful, we can start to think about the church maybe more in kind of political, you know, terms. We're so, we live in such a politically driven um, culture in our country in particular. And we can think like, well, new pope, like what's his platform, you know, instead of new pope, how is he carrying forward what he, we have received from Christ and has been handed down faithfully through the generations and it's so clear here that on the mind of St. John Paul is this desire to carry forward what he has received, that he's not just coming in with some new platform for the church. He's receiving something and has been given this, this great task of, of carrying it forward. And so within this kind of overarching header of inheritance, he's going to subdivide now <laughs> into further parts. And the, the first part is called at the close of the second millennium, which is really intriguing to me that, you know, this is 1979, so a little more than 20 years from the year 2000. But from the start of his pontificate, you can, you can read here, he already has in mind the turn of the millennium. You know, he, he has this sense that he's been entrusted with t- carrying forward what he's inherited and leading the church over the threshold. He loves that term to speak about the millennium into the new millennium. And so he begins by reflecting on um, what he's inherited at the close of the second millennium. 
And again, he begins with the person of, of Christ. We, we read that line last time that the Redeemer of man is the center of the universe and of history. And then he, he speaks very personally and beautifully. He says to him, to Christ, go my thoughts and my heart in this solemn moment of the world that the church and the whole family of present day humanity are now living. To him go my thoughts and my heart. This is a, a friend of Jesus Christ. This is someone who knows Christ intimately. And he sees that his primary inheritance is the person of Christ and all that he reveals. That this is what the church has received and has been handed down and that is now entrusted to St. John Paul to carry forward. And, and he, he gives these further really beautiful words. God entered the history of humanity and as a man became an actor in that history, one of the thousands of millions of human beings, but at the same time unique. Through the incarnation, God gave human life the dimension that he intended man to have from his first beginning. You, you get something, I think, of the, you know, St. John Paul had this, something of a background in the theater when he was young in Poland. And so he speaks about um, God becoming an actor in human history and the person of Christ, a very beautiful analogy. And speaking to, and he'll, we'll see this again and again also in the encyclical, this understanding of the uniqueness of each human person. You know, a lot of times he'll speak about humanity in general, and then he'll qualify and say each man. And here he's, he speaks in particular to the uniqueness of the person of Jesus Christ. That, that's another important point you bring up, that when we think of these titles, especially, uh, I, I think back to my Latin teacher who said, every translator is a traitor, because <laughs> in, in the very act of translating, you are going to lose some of the meaning. But when we look at the title of this encyclical, The Redeemer of Man, we can talk about the broad view. We can talk about mankind throughout all of history, from the beginning of creation through the end times, which we may or may not be around for. And we can also talk very specifically the Redeemer of Man, the Redeemer of Adam Wright, the Redeemer of Father Skillman, the, you know, my Redeemer. And that's a very important thing to remember. This isn't just some nice generality or philosophy. Uh, we are players in this, this story, to, to use that acting and theater analogy. Right, and you know, it's very beautiful to sometimes hear people who met St. John Paul personally speak about how they experienced that when they met him in a very um, intimate way, like they, they say, you were like the only person in the world. He was so focused on you. And he lived this, you know, it, like you said, it wasn't just a, some philosophical truth. He lived this in the way that he encountered people. And, and it, you see it inscribed from the very beginnings here as he reflects upon his uh, pontificate that is just beginning. And in a way, I, I love that last line you shared with us in the quote, through the incarnation, God gave human life the dimension that he intended man to have from his first beginning. It's almost as if he's holding up a mirror, but instead of our image in the mirror, it's an image of our Lord. And it's like, you want to see who you were created to be? Well, look at our Lord. This is this is revelation of what you were intended to be from right. the beginning. And wow, that, I mean, that's like, wait a minute, I was intended to be like Jesus? That, have you met me? <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And this is all rooted in, you know, the, the teaching of scripture and the church that we're made in the image and likeness of God that we're called to share in the divine nature. Um, and so it is in the person of Christ that we have that, that image of humanity as it's meant to be and my humanity as it's meant to be. Wow. Well, there's a lot more we're going to be diving into in the coming weeks here. But Father, as we wrap up today, could I ask you to lead us in a, a brief prayer to close out our time together? I'd love to. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the gift of your Son, our Redeemer, the incarnate 
word of God in whom we see the fullness of humanity in its perfection. Give us the grace to allow our hearts to be more and more perfectly converted to Christ and so live this high calling that we have to live the fullness of what you intended from the beginning. We ask this through Christ our Lord and St. John Paul the Great. Pray Pray for for us us. in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Father Skillman, thanks for being with us again this week. I look forward to diving a little deeper into Redemptor Holiness next week. In the meantime, you're listening to Roadmap to Heaven. We'll be back after this. A prayer to Our Lady of Guadalupe. Our Lady of Guadalupe, Mystical Rose, make intercession for Holy Church. Protect the Sovereign Pontiff. Help all those who invoke you in their necessities. And since you are the ever-Virgin Mary and Mother of the true God, obtain for us from your most holy Son the grace of keeping our faith, of sweet hope in the midst of the bitterness of life, of burning charity, and the precious gift of final perseverance. Amen. Today is the Memorial of Our Lady of Sorrows. And whenever I think of Our Lady of Sorrows, I think of our next guest, Father Zach Edgar, because I live in the territorial parish of Our Lady of Sorrows. And Father Edgar, you grew up in the parish of Our Lady of Dolores, which is Our Lady of Sorrows. It's good to have you back with us. Thank you, Adam. It's good to be back. It's been a little while. So yes, my uh, my parish family at Mother of Dolores in Vandalia is definitely responsible for my vocation. And I think Our Lady in that title has taken great care of me during my uh, 11 years of priesthood, especially in trying to help people grieve. So it's always good to have an opportunity to share how good she's been to me. So I appreciate that. I don't remember which one of the kids asked this question, but I know one of my kids asked this uh, at some point. They said, Our Lady of Sorrows, Dad, why why is Mary sad? And, you know, that, that's always a tough question to answer. It's easy to answer in some ways. Well, she's sad because Jesus died. But I think of a lot of other reasons that Mary is sad. And I think back to one point in my life, just shy of 11 years ago, Beth and I lost a baby in an ectopic pregnancy. And there were a lot of questions about why did this happen? Why did this happen to us? Did we do something? I mean, all of those all of those stages of grief you go through, we went through. And as I was waiting in the hospital waiting room on a very lonely Sunday morning while my wife was in surgery, I'm the only one in the waiting room waiting for the phone to ring for the doctor to call and say, surgery's over, here's how everything went. I couldn't help but think of one thing. From my house, standing in the backyard, I can see the steeple of Our Lady of Sorrows. And and I was thinking about the Blessed Mother at that time. And for many days after that, around the house, I'd walk by a window and I'd see the steeple. And I couldn't help but think that in the midst of all of that grief, there was the Blessed Mother, if not grieving with me, certainly interceding for me in my grief. And, And what a great comfort that was and how grateful I am now, not only for that parish, but for this memorial that we're going to celebrate to remind us that, you know, even the Blessed Mother knows what it means to be sorrowful. In the Pentecost sequence, there's that beautiful line uh, that talks about solace in the midst of woe. And, um, you know, Our Lady, with the help of the Holy Spirit, of course, wants to come to us uh, every time that we experience love in, in the form of grief. You know, grief is the price of love. If we love somebody and we lose somebody, that's the love being outpoured in our hearts. And I think as we look to her, knowing that sin never touched her life, uh, she experienced not only love in a magnified way for never having sin in her life, but sorrow in a magnified way uh, for never having sin 
in her life. We probably underestimate that, but uh, she wants to put all of us as her sons and daughters. You know, we were given to her on Good Friday by the Lord on the cross, just as uh, he gave her to John. John represents all of us, so we are we are her sons and daughters, and we want to allow her into those broken places of our lives, those grieving places of our lives, because we're never meant to be alone in the spiritual life at any point, no matter how low the low may be. Um, she, as our, our mom, uh, wants to do what any good mom wants to do, and that is to comfort, console, and give that solace and move us back to remember, like we've talked about on this feast day previously, that maybe at nightfall there's great weeping and there's tears, but with dawn comes rejoicing. Yeah. There's always that resurrection after, after Good Friday. We don't want to get stuck there. We, we're, we're there. Where it happens to us all the time, but we don't stay there. The, Our Lady brings us always to the heart of Jesus, which is the only reason we should have joy. You know, it's what he, the price of his love for us on the cross. Now, when, when we use this title, Our Lady of Sorrows, this is a very definitive thing. It's not, you know, in, as much as it is our Blessed Mother there with us in grief, there are specific sorrows, the seven sorrows that pierce her heart like seven swords. And I think of that because on one of the side altars at Our Lady of Sorrows on South Kings Highway in St. Louis, if you ever have a chance to visit, there's beautiful icons depicting the seven sorrows. And in the center is a statue um, not a recreation of Michelangelo's Pieta, but mm-hmm. it, it's a it's an image of the Pieta in the artist's own frame of the Blessed Mother holding the lifeless body of our Lord at the foot of the cross. So for our listeners, really quick, Father, if I could ask you, could you recap the seven sorrows for us so we have some context of our discussion today? Certainly, yeah. So um, the way Alphonsus would render them is the very first one is in his infancy, you combine the circumcision, which is the first shedding of his blood when he receives his name, eight days after the nativity, and then the 40th day when he's presented in the temple, Simeon, of course, says that a sword will pierce Mary's heart and that uh, he'll be the cause of the fall and rise of many in Israel. So we have the prophecy of Simeon and the circumcision together. Um, Then we have the flight into Egypt. Herod is trying to kill him, make sure that there's no threat to his reign. Um, And all the, uh, just think about the practical aspects of fleeing into Egypt and having to live there in abject poverty. There's so many things that are worth meditating on in that, uh, in that journey. And then uh, when they do eventually come back into the Holy Land after the death of Herod, um, we know the story in the Gospels when our Lord is about 12 years old that he's uh, missing for three days uh, in the temple. He's there with the scholars, but in some of the church fathers write that uh, the loss of Jesus in the temple for those three days and Mary and Joseph looking for him was perhaps the greatest of all the sorrows because at least in all the other ones, she's with Jesus. She knows where he is, but this is the, the frantic, where is he? Um, and uh, then after that, they all the rest of them focus on the passion itself. So um, their encounter on uh, the Via Crucis, um, Mary meets Jesus as he's carrying the cross uh, certainly the crucifixion itself and all the things that those three hours entailed on Calvary. And then the sixth one would be the taking down of the body of Jesus from the cross and wrapped up in that is the meditation on the piercing of his side after his death and blood and water flowing out everywhere. And then that image that comes from being laid in her arms and then finally him being laid in the tomb, uh, his his lifeless body, soon to be risen, but certainly on 
uh, Good Friday, just uh, the overwhelming sense that uh, everything looks like it's lost, everything looks like it's over, but we know that ultimately it's not. Now, this is the beautiful thing about this feast and about the Blessed Mother. We've alluded to this in our conversation. We've spoken about it previously, that uh, no matter where we are at, and, and you and I, Father, we have both gone through some tough times in our lives. We've lost friends uh, far too soon. We have, you know, in, in my case, as I shared, we lost a child in the womb. I know many of our listeners have suffered miscarriage or, or other loss of infants before. Uh, we've all lost that loved one, that grandparent or that relative at, at some point in time. And in those darkest moments, we might feel as if we can't go on. We might feel like that lifeless body. And that beautiful image of her holding the lifeless body of our Lord, we could very easily substitute ourselves and put ourselves in her arms, that she's holding us and she's grieving for us as we experience these losses, these moments of grief in our lives. Or dare I say, also in those moments of despair and despondency that are brought on by our own sin, she grieves for our sin and she grieves for how far away we are from her son at those times. Certainly at both ends of the spectrum. Yes, that's a beautiful, that's a beautiful image. It's, um, it's uh, one that's very convicting to me anyway, uh, both in compassion, like you say, she wants to be there for us when we just are exasperated. And I think it's worth noting that in sacred art, uh, when she's at the foot of the cross for those three hours, she is standing there. She's not, I mean, she is grieving more than we could ever begin to understand, but she's not passed out and fainted and everything else. She is firmly, by the grace of God, standing there with our Lord faithfully when many others have chosen to run away. And with us in our grief, with us in our ups and downs in life, she is with us to, again, wrap us in her mantle in that perfect love of her immaculate heart that comes directly from the sacred heart of her son, that open heart of her son uh, on Calvary. And then, as you said, yes, I think <laughs> as a matter of an examination of conscience, it's worth remembering that uh, every time we commit mortal sin, we are experiencing spiritual death not to be taken lightly uh, so that our, we don't kill our conscience. Um, and that Mary wants us to come back to life spiritually again. We don't, you know, it's one of the hardest things to do, yes, in my priesthood has been to try to offer consolation and presence to those who have lost a child through miscarriage, but and also when parents have to bury their children at any point in life, no matter how young or old they are. And uh, we think about the grief of people losing a child. Well, every time we commit mortal sin, it's like putting Mary through our funeral. And I can't imagine putting my mom through that once, let alone God forbid, hundreds of times, you know, putting somebody through that. So, you know, in some other images, you know, we have our sins are the ones who are hammering the nails in the cross. For some people, that's helpful. For some people, that's not, even if it is reality. But I think more for me uh, saying, you know, I love my mom and I love the Blessed Mother as as my mom. And I, I mean, I want to hate sin for the right reasons and not just for <laughs> what the negative cons the consequences that I'm trying to avoid. We want to have uh, perfect contrition and not imperfect contrition, but uh, we want to avoid sin. I, I don't want to put 
Mary through any of that, you know? Yeah, I, th- I think of those bracelets that were the fad 20-plus years ago, WWJD, what would Jesus do? And, mm. and I, I have another one to add to that. What would Jesus do? What would Mary say? What would mom say? Mm-hmm. What would your mother say? And it, that's always a really good test for me. It's like, if I wouldn't do that in front of my mother, why would I do it? Because the Blessed Mother is she's watching you know she's interceding for me say adam don't do please don't do that don't no 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 many of us could tell you that monsignor cronin said that to us many times in college seminary as rector <laughs> yeah. if the blessed mother were right here and we, he was right we, we love monsignor cronin here on roadmap to heaven as well well father we're, we're almost out of time here so i, I want to maybe distill this down to one lesson and i think if, if there was one takeaway from this it's that uh in our darkest moments whether it's despair despondency, grief, sin, uh, maybe, and, and maybe that our conscience kicks in and we realize how grave our sin is. Go to the Blessed Mother because she'll take us to our Lord who is, I, I love that image of our Lord as the divine physician. You want to be healed? You need someone to take you to the doctor and, and she will take you to the doctor. Is that a fair lesson for us on this feast day? I, I think that's beautiful. That's very well put. She, um, everything good that the Lord wants to give us in his power as God uh, she wants to see it happen uh, in in every way possible. And um, remembering that the spiritual life is never in isolation and that whether we always remember the Holy Family of Jesus, Mary, and Joseph together, wanting our spiritual good, um, or, or whatever you whatever you want to say about our family in heaven, all the saints, your particular patron saints, we have a lot of people that are rooting for us uh, to stay Uh, you know, right the ship and then keep it on the right course. And she preeminently, among all creatures, wants to help steer us always towards the Lord and everything good that he can give to us in his absolutely infinite mercy. And uh, we have to keep preaching that because this is a world that doesn't have a whole lot of hope more often than not. And we want to make sure that's always the last word is always have hope. You, now you brought up a whole other segment we could take, one of my favorite titles of the Blessed Mother and favorite hymns, Ave Maristella, Hail Star of the Sea, that, that North Star that guides us on our journey. Father, could I ask you to close our time together with a prayer or a blessing for our listeners? Let's uh, offer the memorari together on this uh, beautiful feast. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thy intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. Our Lady of Sorrows, pray, pray for, for us. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, Father Edgar, once again, thanks for being with us on the show today. Now, for our radio listeners, you're going to want to check out the Roadmap to Heaven podcast because Father has graciously agreed to hang out after the show and talk some more about Our Lady of Sorrows. And for our podcast listeners, that'll be coming up after we close things out with the Daily Dose of Encouragement. In the meantime, we're going to take a break. Stay tuned for more. Prayer for the Gift of Prudence Jesus, Artful Master of Parables, Your prudence eluded the hypocrites. Your actions were known before creation, displaying all the wisdom of your prudence. Eternity must have attended to minutia. Being prudent in your best interest, you considered all potential consequences, securing the outcome of your earthly life. Grant me the prudence to always be cautious and sensitive to the basic needs of others. Jesus, you have shown great foresight. 
Prudence truly originates from your being. Amen. Are you enjoying this podcast? Well, if you are, did you know that Covenant Network offers great programming 24 hours a day on 43 stations in five states, plus streaming online? You can find our schedule, your local station, or listen online at www.ourcatholicradio.org. That's O-U-R-catholicradio.org. Visit us today. And now back to this podcast. Here's a little catechism for you on this Friday morning. We were talking about Simeon with Father Edgar. And Father Ripperger talked about Simeon as well and one of the seven sorrows of the Blessed Mother. In the prayer of the church, every day at night prayer, we pray what's called the Canticle of Simeon. And that prayer has a name in Latin. I'm going to give you three options here. Is it Nox Orationis? Is it Nunc Dimittis? Or is it Canticum Simeonis? The Canticle of Simeon. One more time. Nox Orationis, Nunc Dimittis, or Canticum Simeonis. The prayer, often referred to as the Nunc Dimittis, which translates uh, roughly, now release. Uh, most of the translations we read of Luke chapter 2, Simeon says, Now, Master, may you let your servant go in peace according to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you prepared in the sight of all the peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and glory for your people Israel. We pray that every night in the prayer discipline of the church with night prayer or a compline. It is the canticle of Simeon, but called the Nucdemitis. Now, if you live near a church that has bells, perhaps sometimes in the evening around 9 p.m., usually, the, the one church I worked at, we rang it around 9 p.m., you'll just hear three slow tolls of the bell, Nothing elaborate, no peeling, no, no lots of ringing, just three slow tolls. Uh, the bell's ringing the nuke dimittis, signaling it's the end of day. It's time to go to bed. And uh, what a great prayer it is. If you haven't prayed night prayer, if you've been looking to get into liturgy of the hours and you want to pray the divine office at home, I, I recommend, you know, just dive right in. But if, if you want one that you can do every night, it's a great prayer to pray before you go to bed. Let's get you another check of the weather here on Roadmap to Heaven and then the Daily Dose of Encouragement. Stay tuned. A most commendable indulgenced prayer to the Sacred Heart of Jesus. Most Sacred Heart of Jesus, shower copiously thy blessings on thy holy church, on the Supreme Pontiff, and on all the clergy. Grant perseverance to the just, convert sinners, enlighten infidels, bless our parents, friends, and benefactors. Assist the dying, liberate the souls of purgatory, and extend over all hearts the sweet empire of thy love. Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, most kind, bless us now and in death's agony. From a sudden and unprovided death, deliver us, O Lord. We started off our week on the Daily Dose of Encouragement talking about St. John Chrysostom because Patty likes to celebrate this patron saint of hers from her birthday. And Patty, I have to tell you, I have enjoyed celebrating this patron <laughs> saint of yours. Uh, and, and it has nothing to do with my birthday, but also happy birthday to you. Well, thank you. And again, I'm not doing this so that people know my, when my birthday is. I'm doing it because St. John Chrysostom is a doctor of the church. He's got fantastic writings on marriage. He's got a beautiful prayer for after Holy Communion. He lived an exemplary life, of course. And most of us don't know even what Chrysostom means and who he's the patron saint of, speakers and preachers. 
again, it's just, you know, diving into a saint and learning about him. And I just love to share it. So today we're going to wrap up the week with a quote from St. John Chrysostom. And boy, is this timely. Here's the quote. For Christians above all are forbidden to correct the stumblings of sinners by force. Let me say that again. For Christians above all are forbidden to correct the stumblings of sinners by force. St. John Chrysostom is basically saying you can't force anyone to be Catholic. You can't force someone to go to confession, to give up their persistent state of sin. They have to want it. They have to choose it. They have to make that journey themselves. And I know, I know, I know there are so many moms, dads, grandmas, aunts, and uncles out there who are just aching for their adult children who might be living in a persistent state of sin. But remember, we cannot correct the stumblings of sinners by force. It's a great reminder in very strong language. We can't do it by force. We can't do it by guilt, by manipulation, or whatever sinful behavior we're tempted to use in order to correct someone else's sinful behavior. We can't do that. So we have to give people the freedom to have their own journey. Of course, pray for them. Of course, show them great love. Show them compassion. But sometimes I know we want to just take someone and shake their head, right? We just think, I wish I could just knock some sense into somebody. St. John Chrysostom says, above all, we are forbidden to correct the stumblings of sinners by force. Let that be a reminder to all of us today. Patty, that's another great encouragement for us today, and it has been a great week. Thank you for sharing this wonderful saint with us here on the Daily Dose of Encouragement. Well, it has been a great week to be back with you here on Roadmap to Heaven. It's hard to believe that this time a week ago I was still on vacation, but I mean, it really is a joy to spend each and every morning with you. I know there's a lot of events going on this weekend. We've got soccer games, volleyball games, and nephews playing in the pep band for a football game. We hope to get to that. But above all, you know, we have one priority over all of them, and that's getting to Sunday Mass. And so I'm looking forward to going bright and early Sunday morning, and uh, the rest of the weekend's going to revolve around that. The kids are told. And I tell the kids somewhat for their benefit, but also for mine, because, you know, you parents out there know that sometimes you tell your kid th- kids things to also tell yourselves things that, you know, we've got some things to do. And if we want to do the fun things like go to the birthday party, we need to do our chores tomorrow and we need to go to mass Sunday morning. Non-negotiable. You don't make it to mass. You don't go to anything else. That's the rule. That's how it goes. I'm also looking forward to, even though, you know, we were on vacation last week, I'm looking forward to just being home this weekend. Aside from the soccer games and the volleyball game and the drum lessons and the the birthday party, uh, just having that time on Sunday as a family to be home with one another. You know, I encourage you, make some plans for Sunday with your family to play some games or maybe get together if you live at home by yourself. Maybe it's just you and your spouse. Get together with some friends, share a meal together in the home, have some conversation. It's beautiful weather to be outside. It's almost that time for a big pot of soup and a fall bonfire. I just love that about this time of year. It's one of those things 
let's not sit around and wait for it to happen. Let's make it happen. Let's go into it with intention. Now, maybe you also need to get to the Sacrament of Reconciliation. Many parishes offer that on Saturdays, but have that plan. Have that plan. Where are you going to go? When are you going to go? Don't hesitate. Go. Maybe start working on your examination of conscience today. Work on it tonight. Have a thorough one so that when you go to the Sacrament of Reconciliation, you are prepared. You can go in. Bless me, Father, for I have sinned. It has been this long since my last confession. If you have any mortal sins, I have these mortal sins by this number on this many occasions. Be specific. The type of mortal sin and the number of occasions. Confess your venial sins. Don't worry about offering a well, you know, Father, I think I did this because of that. No, just confess your sins. Offer your contrition. Father will lead you through the rest. You'll make your act of contrition. You'll get a penance. You'll go. You'll pray it with joy. And then you keep living life. Grateful for that grace that God gives you to live out the faith each and every day. Let's pray in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. All glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Mary, Mother of the Church, pray for us. Our Lady of Sorrows, pray for us. St. Joseph, Terror of Demons, pray for us. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. You know, maybe we should all think of our mothers today in the times that our lives have brought them joy and have brought them sorrow. Say a prayer for your mom today, not just your heavenly mother, but for your mother, your earthly mother as well. For Covenant Network, I'm Adam Wright. Thanks for listening to Roadmap to Heaven. I'll be back with you next week for our podcast listeners. Stick around. Father Zach Edgar is going to be with us. Until next time, pray your rosary today. We were very pleased to have Father Zach Edgar with us on the radio broadcast of the show today, and Father's graciously agreed to hang around in the studio to talk a little bit more about the Blessed Mother under that beautiful title, Our Lady of Sorrows, here for our podcast listeners. So, Father, thank you for that. Um, I'd like to come back to something you alluded to in the radio segment, and it was so quick you could have missed it, and I wouldn't blame our listeners if you did. Uh, Father, you made the comment about grief and how our grief— and love are impacted by sin. And uh, I, I think before we even did the interview, we were talking about how some people would say it's over pious to even talk about the Blessed Mother's grief being more than ours. Um, and there was a lot to unpack in that. And, and rather than, than bungle it here, I'm, I'm going to let you take it from here. What were, what were you alluding to with that? So I think the thing we have to remember about Our Lady, different from us, I mean, a creature in, in every way, but the perfect life of God is operating in her heart, and we take for granted, I think, the damage that sin does to our lives. And so to have somebody who is totally sinless, even free from original sin, um, what God can do in the human soul is absolutely incredible. And so it's not hyperbole to say that because of the perfect love of God being put into her immaculate heart, and we know that when we grieve— grief is the price of loving somebody that we can say that she grieved at Calvary more than all the rest of the grief in the world put together, all of us, you know, not, and that's not to belittle any of our grief, obviously, but it's to say, it's to underscore how damaging sin is to us, first of all, and how free she was to experience the absolute magnitude 
of God's gift as a creature can experience them, right? Not in the same magnitude as the Lord himself, who has the perfection of everything, but in, however a creature can be at that maximum 100%, um, which is, we all have different 100% capacities for grace. We're all unique, right, in the spiritual life. But she teaches us that when we have something that's a deficit that needs to be given to the Lord, that we want to die to ourselves, surrender it, and let that torrent, that waterfall, that flow of the mercy of God overwhelm, or even like we pray at Pentecost, right? Romans 5, 5, um, where the Spirit of the Lord is poured into our hearts, just like, I'm again, that torrent of a river. Uh, we want to be overwhelmed with the good gifts of God for every deficit we could ever have. And as Therese so beautifully says, that that water is always going to run to the lowest place first. A lot of people don't want to deal with the thing they'd rather not talk about or the things they'd rather not talk about. But if we're going to be vulnerable, if we are going to avoid duplicity, whatever you want to call it, we want to lay our souls bare before the Lord and let his mercy come in. She teaches us, whether it's a low point because of grief, a low point because of our personal sin, whatever it is that causes the valley that we're in the middle of, you know, and we say like in the Hail Holy Queen here in this valley of tears, whatever that is for us, the Lord wants to enter into that and she wants to do everything as our mom to facilitate his entry into that, into that moment um, so that we can receive the healing that we were meant to hold on to in the first place. But even when we've rejected it, you know, we want to get restored as, as uh, not just as quickly as possible, but as fully as possible. And that's going to happen to the degree that we're open with the stuff that we have going on. Taking a step back a moment, I mean, I'm, tell me if this is a fair analogy. If, if we are in math class and we have a graph, mm-hmm. the, the x-axis, the, the mm-hmm. horizontal graph axis, is the degree to which we love. Mm-hmm. The y-axis, the, the vertical, would be the degree of our grief. And the further out we go on x, the higher up we're going to go on y because the two are directly proportional. Sure. Yeah, yeah. And so what you're saying here is that, and, and this one I think is easy for us to understand, because our love is... And our ability to love is is imperfect, and it's tainted by the stain mm-hmm. of sin. Even though you know I'm baptized, the, the stain of original sin's been washed away. Uh, the, the good Lord knows many times I I have brought the stain back through my own choices, uh, whether it's venial sin, mortal sin, and thank goodness through the grace of the sacraments, He's able to wipe that away. Absolutely. You know, and, and, and I am so grateful for that. But my love is imperfect. So, But, but it's different from never having sin right. in a radical way. Right. So so I guess what we're saying here is my, my chart's going to be a little stunted because I'm going to hit those blocks where I, roadblocks where I am, you know, just suffering the effects of sin. And because grief and love are proportional to one another, if my love is imperfect, my grief is going to be imperfect. And it's not that I couldn't have high marks on love and grief. It's just that we the Blessed could, yes. Mother is off the charts, Correct. as they say. It's not to denigrate us. Right. It's not to denigrate us. We have, we, in fact, I've said many times in other circumstances, one of the things we all do detrimentally to ourselves is we make our ceiling too low in our minds. Like, up, oh, I can't be Mother Teresa, so, you know, I'm just me, or I've done this in my life, and I can't, like, don't, don't lie to yourself like that. Like, don't impose a ceiling on yourself. The Lord knows where he wants to take us. We just have to have that 
spiritual childhood to let him pick us up and, and actually go somewhere. Um, but uh, and, and that comes back to that lesson we were talking about on the show, that this is all about, in, in those dark moments of life, whatever they may be, self-induced or just natural consequences or things you didn't ask for. Maybe you lost someone in a car accident or you lost someone to cancer or uh, you went through a terrible end of a marriage or, or whatever it may be. Those effects of sin that we see in all of our lives, uh, the, the lesson, again, you know, go to the Blessed Mother. Now, I think back to not really a conversion experience because I'm a lifelong Catholic, but maybe a reversion moment. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, some A little over 20 years ago, I was a young man and struggling with probably a lot of those sins against the Sixth Commandment that mm-hmm. most young men struggled with. And my confessor said very plainly, uh, when you are in those moments that are, are controlling your life right now, go to the Blessed Mother. Get, the, get your rosary. Don't don't go anywhere without it. Pull that rosary out of your pocket and start praying it for two reasons. One, it'll be harder to think about sins against the Sixth Commandment when you're focusing your attention on the Blessed Mother. And two, there's that supernatural effect of grace that if you go to her, uh, you know, even if you're in a state of mortal sin, she's going to be interceding for our Lord to send actual grace your way to move you back to the sacraments, especially reconciliation and the Eucharist, so that you can be back in that state of grace, and uh, I think of that, that how true that was in that, that moment. It was in the middle of the night on August 5th of 2002, the Feast of Our Lady of the Snows, so the dedication of St. Mary Major Basilica, um, that I realized how indebted I am to the Blessed Mother because it was in that night I woke up in a cold sweat and said, Lord, I can't do this anymore. And, and, and I had reached that low point. You talk about the, the Therese moment, the, the darkest, rock bottom, yeah. the rock bottom, the, the water of grace is going to go to first. I was there. And there was, you know, for whatever reason, I wouldn't say it was, you know, I heard a voice in my head, but all of my thoughts immediately went to that priest in the confessional that said, go to his mother pray the rosary and and when i first started here on at covenant network we had that spot that played in our rotation all the time that bishop hugh doyle says uh if you struggle with mortal sin pray the rosary because uh you'll either persist in the sin or you'll persist in the rosary but you're not going to persist in both and sometimes we don't want to do that we don't want to go to mom for help we wouldn't go to my you know i wouldn't go to my own mother dear mom i am struggling really difficult Mm -hmm. with in my relationship with my girlfriend and we're crossing all sorts of lines here and you know I I would not have that conversation with her but in hindsight it's like all right in all of those moments and whatever the temptation may be mom we need to talk and not my earthly mother here but my heavenly mother and we have to remember the reason why that is is because Mary's not God and and it's humiliating for the angels are in a higher order than us as creatures so they have perfect intellect, perfect will. And the fallen angels are humiliated by Mary because she's a creature and they've never had, you know, Satan and the demons have never had any foothold in her life at all. And it's humiliating for them to be outdone by this little innocent creature. And they're these big, supposedly powerful, perfect intellect and will. And of course they broke their will and rejected God, which is why they are where they are. But uh, it flips the script and it just shows like all, all these places in scriptures we can go look at. It, it's the little guy or the little woman that is victorious. You know, the Lord takes what looks absolutely broken or it's, oh, I would, who are you going to choose? You know, if you're going to get a, some kind of thing done or accomplished, you know, how many times does the Lord choose what seems like the least qualified or the least available or the least powerful or whatever? He always teaches us that lesson that he can do anything 
with anything. And when it comes to spiritual warfare, and any exorcist will tell you this, when they're doing interviews to try to figure out if somebody has a psychological problem or a spiritual problem or both or whatever it is, one of the giveaways is if somebody has possession, they will not be able to say Mary. In fact, they'll dance around and say that woman or whatever, and that's even difficult for them. They will not be able to say Mary. I, I did an interview once here on the show, and uh, the, the point that the priest was making, um, he was talking about spiritual protection, mm-hmm. is that it's not about equipping ourselves for the battle so much as we're going to go out there and we are going to fight the enemy, and I, Adam Wright, am going to be victorious. If I want to be victorious, what I need to do is draw near the Father and under the mantle of his protection. Exactly. And if you, you, you go to God the Father, you draw close to him, you're going to be safe. Well, how do you get to him? You have to go with his son. You have to go with the second person of the Holy Trinity and who's always with the second person of the Holy Trinity saying uh, could you do this for could you do this for Adam could you do this for father mm-hmm. his blessed mother it's not you know what's her role in all of this it's to take us by the hand to her son and it, it, as only a mother could you know I think of all those times I've gotten that call from my mother uh, so-and-so was wondering if you could help them out with this. And if so-and-so would have called me, I probably would have said, oh, yeah, I can help you out with that. But the minute my mom calls or texts and says, so-and-so needs your help, it's like, all right, well, I can't say no to that. How now. true. Yeah. yeah. And for me, I mean, these days it's, you know, my mom and her friends, and they give me their prayer requests, obviously, and a lot of times mass intentions. So, you know, mom says, hey, can you say mass for somebody? Like, yes, I will absolutely do that. Let me figure out as soon as I can get that. Get that in, you know. Yeah. So. I, I can't remember if it's Louis de Montfort, St. Louis de Montfort, or uh, Venerable Servant of God, Fulton Sheen, who said it would be easier to separate the light of the sun, S-U-N, talking about the sun in the sky. It would be easier to separate the light of the sun from its heat than it would be to separate the heart of the Blessed Mother, her Immaculate Heart, from the Sacred Heart of our Lord, because the two are so closely united. Amen. Yeah. I don't remember which one it is either. Now you, I would have said either one, but yeah, we'll leave that to our Catholic Jeopardy contestants. You should find this listen. out, listeners. You should you should read both. Uh, call, call in and tell Consecration us. to Mary, yeah. Saint Louis de Montfort's. Uh, true, is it True Devotion to Mary? True that, Devotion is the one that has the consecration leads us to the thirty-three days of yeah of total consecration to Jesus through Mary. Yes, and then uh-huh. Archbishop Sheen's The World's First Love, Mary the Mother of God, which mm-hmm. is another fantastic book, as well. Um, I, I, I want to end with this because I'm going I'm to turn to the. At that time in my life, shortly after, when I really started falling in love with church teaching, it was Pope Benedict. May he rest in peace. Um, And I think of this image, I've used it several times on the show, that Pope Benedict gave about the Blessed Mother at the wedding feast of Cana. She doesn't tell our Lord what to do. You know, she just says they have no wine. She doesn't say, so make them some wine, do what you do. You know, we all know what you can do here, son, so do it. No. She just essentially says, here's the situation. And what a great comfort that's been to me in my prayer life. Ever since I read that reflection that Pope Benedict wrote about two years ago, I read that, um, to just go to our Lord and, and to maybe stop asking for, now, could you do this? You know, Lord, I'm struggling with X. Could you please do Y to help me with X? But following that example of Mary saying, Lord, here's the situation. Please do, you know, do with it what you will and help me to stay out of your way and draw close to you. And I, I think of that beautiful example of the Blessed Mother. And also, he, he says in the same reflection, so our job, 
Who does she direct in that in in that gospel story? She doesn't direct her son. She directs the servants. Do whatever he tells you to do. So, all right, what's the lesson for me? God, I'm struggling with this. I'm dealing with that. Whatever it may be, Jesus, here's the situation. And right there is Mary. Now, Adam, do whatever he tells you to do. And in the same way, we don't want to look at the rosary as a magic wand to get us out of all the holes that we make, right? We want to run to her and she's saying, all right, here's how it is. What are, what are you going to do? Are you going to cooperate? Are you going to not cooperate? You know, cause we just can't make this little laundry list of here's, here's what I want, A, B, C, D, E, you know, and on down the line. They already know what we need. They know better than we know what we need. And we want to run to the Lord with open arms as the prodigal son, prodigal daughter, whatever you want to say. And the way that that's going to work is if we use Mary as our example, she and the perfect love of God poured into her immaculate heart, if we in some, uh, the best and the most open way we can possibly be to say, Lord, I want you to pour that same love that you gave your mother into me so that I can remain faithful to you here on out. That the big crisis in spirituality for all of us is maintaining that firm purpose of amendment to really let the Lord in his grace, believing and trusting him, that he can, in fact, consistently keep us close to him. Our life will be changed. Our, our purpose, where we normally fail, will be healed, will be amended. And she gives us the hope that that's possible for a creature. And so we run yeah. to her so that we can be perfected in the way that he could always see in his mind's eye, but we've put these barriers in the way. And he wants to knock down those walls, and she wants to see it happen too, obviously. I'd like to throw a couple ideas out there for our listeners. Um, if you, like me, 20 years ago, are struggling with whatever sin, but habitual sin, and you want to be free of it, as Americans, we like to think that we're going to pull ourselves up by our bootstraps. Uh, I think one time you said to me, Adam, don't be a semi-Pelagian there. Right. You know? Well, it's Pelagian. Um, so uh, all heresies have a new, new face today. Yeah. They're <laughs> still there. Let it not be my face, however. Uh, <laughs> you know, that we have to go and we have to ask for that supernatural aid and... Uh, one prayer that I love on Tuesdays, our devotion to our mother of perpetual help, especially the older form of that, if you can find it. Um, because, I mean, that whole prayer could be summarized in this. Blessed Mother, help me to turn away from sin, which is empty and detrimental and, and obviously deathly to me. And help me have that conversion daily and in every moment to your son. Right. Uh, so that's one prayer I'd want to offer you. Um, be, you as much as I love the rosary and I think you should pray if you're not praying the rosary, you should be praying the rosary. I, I can never tire of saying that. But maybe you're at a point where you're saying, listen, Adam, for whatever reason, I know you want me to pray the rosary. I get it. It's just overwhelming right now. You know, I might, I might sometimes say, well, then start with a decade of the rosary. Certainly yes. a laudable thing. Yes. But I want to offer you another alternative too: the litany of Loretto, the litany of the Blessed Mother. That might be easier, especially if, you, if you're struggling to start prayer at home with your spouse or with your family and with kids. This is a very easy one with the response, pray mm -hmm. for us throughout pretty much yep. the entire litany. And uh, I, I love the titles of Mary we hear, the functions of her motherhood that we hear. 
And, uh, you know, you said something earlier about Mary, you know, she's not so much the doer as she is the pointer. She's pointing the way. And I love that that title, Mirror of Justice. Mm-hmm. And it's not like when I'm looking at a mirror in myself. It's, you know, I live in the city and we have a couple alleys that you really can't see what's around the corner. So someone puts up a mirror so you can see the way to safety. And there's yep. the Blessed Mother. She is that mirror saying, this is the way to go. So those are two prayers I'd like to put out there. And, and certainly the rosary, the most beautiful of Marian prayers. Um, but wherever you are, you know, pray these prayers, incorporate them. And you can conjoin them. You can also pray the rosary and after the hail, or as you finish the hail, Holy Queen, you can tack on the litany of Loretto. It can be done that way. We yeah. used to do that in seminary all the time. So as, as, you as can we, have both, both and like in the Catholic on, world. On our radiothons, there's no gift too large. Well, in our better than radiothon in prayer, there's no gift to the Blessed Mother too large. Well, Father Edgar, thanks again for being with us. That's going to wrap up the podcast here on Roadmap to Heaven. If you liked it, do us a favor. Click like, subscribe, follow on whatever player you're listening to. Uh, That simple gesture really helps us broaden our reach through the algorithms that the programs run. The more likes we get, the more subscribes. It's not about vanity so much as it is about helping us spread the word. It's going to populate in more feeds. I don't understand how it works, but smart people that know more than I do tell me it's important. So I'm going to share that with you. In the meantime, don't forget to tune in to the next episode of Roadmap to Heaven next Monday morning or catch up on some old episodes with our podcast. Until then, as we say at the close of the show, for Covenant Network, I'm Adam Wright. Pray your rosary today.